We have been going through a series called Signature of the Almighty, Encountering the Living God. The whole point is that God Almighty, He doesn't just stay distant, but He comes down into our lives. And as He reached down into the lives of individuals and made an impact, not only did they record the story, but they recorded a name for Him in the midst of that to capture the character of who He was. So we've been learning about who God is through his names, signature of the almighty. Today, we're going to be looking at I am is our righteousness. Jeremiah 23, I am is our righteousness. Now, before we can jump into the middle of a book on prophecy, we probably should get a little bit of history down. Yes, I said the word history. So before your eyes roll back in your head and you start to go to sleep, get ready, okay? We're going to try to do this in a little bit of an interactive way so we can learn together, all right? So does everybody have a finger they can point with? Give me a finger you can point with, okay? Get ready. Okay, here we go. The basics of history. We're going to do 500 years of history fast, okay? You ready? All right. You guys over here, from front to back, you're Israel, all right? Congratulations, all right? All right, you're Israel, okay? Now, you guys decided, we don't like having a spiritual king. We actually want a physical king. We want a human being, because everybody's making fun of us. They look at us weird. They're like, hey, where's your king? And we're like, well, he's, he's in heaven. They're like, oh, well, we actually have one we can see. And so you guys decided, we're upset. We want a physical king. God says, you know what? I'm your king. And you say, we still really want a king. Okay, so he brings kings in with the warning. This isn't going to go well, but he brings them in three kings in. Yeah, it didn't go well. Okay, so all of Israel splits 10 tribes to the north and Judah to the south. So everybody take your finger. You ready? Israel up here. Point up here and say Israel. Judah. Bummer. We already had a split. Okay. Israel and Judah. Okay. Now in the middle of the split, they decided to stay with this whole kings thing. Didn't go well in the beginning, but we're going to stick with it. 19 kings to the north, 20 to the south. So get ready. Israel, Judah, 19, 20. Okay, one more time. Israel, Judah, 19, 20. A couple of little basic words. It gives us an idea of what's going on. 19 kings to the north, 20 to the south, 39 kings. Only eight of those did any good at all. And they were all in the south. The north not so good. Okay. So out of 19 Kings, none doing well, what happens? Assyria up in this area over here. Okay. Not very far away in this room, but Assyria up over here. So take your finger and point here, Assyria, Israel captive. Assyria comes in, takes over, swarms them and moves them up here. 722 BC. God's like 19 Kings, none of them doing well. Time for punishment. Here we go. Assyria, Israel captive. So let's do it from the beginning, okay? Israel, Judah, 1920, Assyria, Israel, captive. You already have 300 years of history memorized. You're doing amazing, okay? Now, wouldn't you think that Judah would wake up? Wouldn't you think they'd say, ooh, that didn't go well for them. Let's get our act together. Well, unfortunately, not so good. So every once in a while, a good king would come along, but most of them not doing very well. And by 586 BC, God says, that's enough. And so Babylonia, which is down in our soundboard area, 
Babylonia comes sweeping in, takes over Judah, and takes them back captive. Okay? So it's Babylonia, Judah captive. So let's do it from the top. Ready? Israel, Judah, 1920. Assyria, Israel captive. Babylonia, Judah captive. 500 years of history. Wouldn't it be nice if history class always went like that? All right. The big reason to get that point is we need to understand that Jeremiah was born in the time of around the 600 BC range. Josiah was king, one of the good kings in Judah. Israel is already obliterated. They're gone. They're in Assyria. They're spread out everywhere. Okay. They've seen the punishment of God come down when the nation doesn't do what they're supposed to do. Jeremiah is born and God says, I've got news for you, young man. You're called. You're called to send my message to these people. And he says, what every one of them that's called when God calls them? Who, me? I can't do that. I'm too young. God says, I have the words. You just say what I ask. I'll be with you. Go to Judah and you're going to tell them some pretty rough stuff. Now, Jeremiah was called to tell Judah, guess what, boys? Babylon's coming and they're going to put us under full scattering. It's done. We're cooked. Get your act together or it's over. That's not the most fun message to deliver. And Jeremiah paid a heavy price for that. Not doing it for six months or a year. Not for two or five or 10 or 20. 40 years of saying, get your act together. And finally, Babylon comes sweeping in and takes over Jerusalem. That's the book of Lamentations. As Jeremiah watches it all finally come down. Okay? So that's the prophet we're dealing with as we dive into Jeremiah chapter 23. So he's halfway through his message to Judah. He's telling them, it's coming. And we're getting to chapter 23. You know, we have some ushers who are going to come forward with the Bible. We're going to go through Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 1 through 8, very carefully. If you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand. They'd love to get one to you, okay? We're going to walk real carefully through this passage. A little bit past middle in your, in your Bibles, okay? So uh, one of the prophets here, Jeremiah 23. Let me just read this, okay? It starts out pretty heavy. Remember where we are, Judah getting the warning, Okay. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people, you have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold. And they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will set shepherds over them who will care for them. And they shall fear no more nor be dismayed. Neither shall be any missing, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. And he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when they shall no longer say, as the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but rather as the Lord lives who brought up and led offspring of the house of Israel out of the north country 
and out of all the countries where he had driven them, they shall dwell in their own land. Jeremiah 23, verses 1 through 8. He is answering a very specific question. In the midst of adversity, how do I grow? In the midst of tough times, how is it that I can be conformed to the image of Christ? What should be taking place? That's what we're going to learn today, okay? So first, right off the bat, recognize God's authority. Verses 1 and 2. What do I need to grow? Recognize God's authority. This verse starts out, whoa. That's usually not a word you want God to say to you, okay? When it starts out, woe to you, it's time to listen, all right? And these guys were way off. Who was way off? Glad you asked. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter. The shepherds who destroy and scatter. Now, he just got done in Jeremiah 22, talking about four different kings. The last four kings of Judah before they went and got captured by Babylon. And he basically said, you messed up. Big problems coming for you. You messed up. You, you. He went down the line with each of the four. Now in Jeremiah 23, 1, he says, woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep. This is the summary statement, okay? You who have been responsible for Judah, bad things coming to you. That's what God has to say. Not so much me. I'm just Jeremiah. God's saying that, okay? So he uses the word declares the Lord quite a bit in here. It's not Jeremiah's opinion of you. Woe to you, declares the Lord. Okay? Now notice a couple things. The shepherds, he expected these people to be caring for his flock, Israel and Judah. He expected of them care. What he got instead was scattering and destroying. Not so much a very good shepherd. Whose sheep? The sheep of my pasture. God Almighty, the great shepherd, very disappointed and calling some people to task. In verse 2, he says, Therefore, thus says the Lord, God always get that in, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people, you have scattered my flock and have driven them away. They are no longer where they should be. They are missing in action. You let them go. You weren't caring for them. Why did you do it? You have not attended to them. You have not attended to them. Now check this. Behold, I will attend to you. Okay. Okay, if that doesn't give you shivers. (laughs) Like when God says, woe to you. You did not attend to them. Behold, I will now attend to you. This is a moment in time where the king should have had a little wake-up call. Their wake-up call didn't really work for them, and they continued down their path to destruction. And in the midst of it, it simply ends, declares the Lord. Verse 2. Verses 1 and 2, we need to recognize God's authority. Why is it that when we know what to do, we don't do it? Why is it that when we know what not to do, we do it. Why is that? I dare say it's because we have a wrong perspective. I want to challenge this a bit, okay? 
When our heart has a wrong perspective, we make bad decisions, all right? So let's understand. I got to say, I'll say this over and over again. You'll hear me say it a lot. I don't really like the word sin. It's gotten overused in our society. But the root underneath it of what it means is very important. This is what we come down to. What is sin? First of all, from God's perspective. We have this holy, righteous God who is reaching out in total love for you. And as he reaches down to help us and to reach into our lives compassionately, we go, I got it. I've got it. And we smack the hand away and we go our own way. It's an offense to a holy God, a righteous God lovingly reaching into our lives. And we say, thanks, but no thanks. I got this one. That's offensive to a holy God. That's what sin is. God's perspective. Our perspective. What is sin from our perspective? Okay. Imagine, if you will, my nine-year-old daughter, Alyssa, little sweetheart, loves to fall asleep every night with this stuffed animal that my wife gave her. It's about 30 years old, beat to snot, but it's soft. She loves cuddling with that little polar bear, calls it baby, okay? So she's holding baby and crimps it up close and she falls asleep with baby. So let's say we go to a hotel and we had forgotten baby. We get there, 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night, and the tears are strolling down. And what do I, I can't fall asleep without baby. And we cannot calm her down. So I get up, I go out of the hotel, I go to the trunk of the car, I open up the trunk, and I pull out a shovel. I go out to the street, and I find one of those nasty pancake-flattened raccoons, and I scoop that thing up, and I bring it back, and I just lay it in bed next to her, right? I'm like, come on, there's soft fur all over it. Just pet that. It'll be wonderful. You'll fall asleep. And, of course, all of us are like, the maggots and the disease, what are you thinking about? I'm thinking about the fur. That's what sin is in our life. Did you know that? Every time we go after the short, quick fix, the thing we don't really need in our lives, but we're going to take it right for the moment, we're going for that soft fur. We're ignoring the maggots and the disease and the blood and the who knows how long it's been laying there stiff. But it's got a little fur. That feels good. The quick payoff. That's what sin is in our life. It's the shortcut. And it brings with it a lot of disease and pain. Why go after that? Because your perspective is off. Look for the maggots. Have you ever noticed how often you recognize the roadkill in other people's lives? We're so good at that, aren't we? Can't you see the maggots all over what you're doing? And they're like, no, it's really soft. I kind of like it. Right? That's what it is. Sin in our life. It's offensive to God on one hand. But on the other hand, it's hurtful to us too. It's very short-sighted. Wrong perspective. We need to recognize the authority of God. 20 kings in Judah, only eight of them even came close to getting it right. The entire nation following, doing whatever they want, finding that soft fur, bringing the disease with it. Woe to you. It's time to change. What is it you have in your life today that's the roadkill? What is it you're going after? that's got that immediacy to it, the soft fur, but it's got a lot of junk with it. Every one of us has it. Don't say, oh, that's not me. We all have it. What's yours? 
what needs to go today, right now. It's time to recognize the authority of God. Don't go after the roadkill. Give it up. Let's get that out of the bed. Let's start enjoying a relationship with him. What's yours? You ready? You got it in mind? It's time for it to go. Recognize the authority of God. Number two, we need to allow God to shepherd us. We need to allow God to shepherd us. The beauty is he wants to. Allow God to shepherd us. Verses three and four here. God says two things. I will gather and I will bring them back. I will gather the remnant of my flock out of the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold. Gather and bring back. He is a very active shepherd. They have been spread out, Assyria and Babylon. I will bring them back. That's his promise, that he's going after the nation of Israel, and he's going after us. We have a God who passionately wants to shepherd, and he wants to gather us up and bring us back. Now, notice who he's gathering up. He's gathering everybody. He just loves everyone. He does love everyone. But who's he gathering? The remnant. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock, the ones who are recognizing his authority and responding to him. Respond to him. Be part of the remnant. Those who love him, believe in him, trust in him, have a walk with him, are trusting in his shed blood to forgive them of their sins, the remnant of the flock, out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold. What good is that? Glad you asked. They shall be fruitful and multiply. You know what? Where there is healthy shepherding, there is growth, both in sturdiness and in breadth of number, both in strength and in size. When God shepherds, things grow. That's the reality, okay? Now, a friend of mine, I just say this on the side, I was talking to one of the pastors in Naperville and we were talking about this a couple years back and he said, don't forget, cancer grows too. Like a lot of things grow. And so we don't want to just measure numbers, bad way to go about it. But when God shepherds, things multiply and grow and are fruitful, healthy fruit coming from God's shepherding as he gathers and brings them back, as he nurtures them and cares for them. But he does more than that. God is actively gathering, but what else is he doing? Look in verse four. I will set shepherds over them. The great shepherd, he provides shepherds. The great shepherd, he provides leaders over them who will care for them. There's that word. Let me tell you something. My role as senior pastor, Kent's role as executive, the elders, Aaron's role over the youth. Let me tell you something. We've got a serious job on our hands. God has called us as shepherds. And our job is four letters, to care, to care. You say, well, good, I'm glad that's your job. Good luck with that. (laughs) But the answer is he has set shepherds that are more than just the staff. He set the lay body a part of that too. You look at Ephesians 4, and we'll get to that in just a second. But as you look at these other passages of scripture, he provides loving people to love 
people. He's calling you to shepherd. Each of us. He's setting shepherds healthily over the flock. You know, as we pour into this here, we see him setting shepherds, and what happens? Again, positive results from God. He says at the end of verse 4, They shall fear no evil, nor be dismayed. And one more, they shall not be missing. When godly shepherding takes place, there is no fear, there is no confusion or dismay, and there is no one missing. We are going heavily and firmly after caring for the whole, and we are seeing people confidently trusting in God, in His Word, in leadership, and we're seeing no fear, no dismay, no one missing. This is a powerful statement of what God's shepherding looks like. Well, how does God shepherd today? Is it even valid? I mean, I'm glad he was shepherding for Israel. That's nice. But, you know, Israel had a bunch of real sheep. Is there shepherding today? Answer, yes. 1 Peter 5, 2. The command is three words long. Shepherd the flock. That's pretty clear. New Testament command. We're to be caring for the body in the same way. Feeding and leading. You remember last week when Ron was saying, what are the three roles of a, of a pastor? To feed, to lead, and to love. We better be seeing that all over the place in our leadership here. That's a lot of what he's calling us to. To feed, to lead, and to love. Okay? You know, does God actually shepherd today? The answer is obviously, well, he called us to do it. Of course he is, right? Three ways that God shepherds today. Three ways that God shepherds today. First, his Holy Spirit. You know, as we accept what Jesus Christ has done for us, as we commit to a relationship with him and say, please forgive me. I know that my imperfection completely missed the mark and I can't ever establish a relationship with you without your shed blood. Please forgive me. As we establish that relationship, the Holy Spirit takes up residence, God Almighty, and he guides and he directs. He guides. John chapter 16, verse 8. He guides. In other words, he helps you find the direction you need to be moving. But he also convicts. John chapter 16, verse 13. The Holy Spirit doing the shepherding, guiding and convicting. John 16, verse 8 and verse 13, where he's basically saying, you don't want to be around that. It's time to get away from that. That's what conviction is. That is bad for you. Can we talk about the roadkill that that is in your life, please? That needs to move. Guide. Here's where I want you to be. The negative and the positive as the Holy Spirit works with you. But that's not all our walk is. It's not just us and the Holy Spirit. He's provided us his word that he illuminates. Psalm 119, verse 18. So the first is the Holy Spirit. The second way that he guides us is his word. As he uses us to make clear for us principles of the character of God and how he wants us to work with him. The word is powerful. Are you spending time in it? Are you learning from him by letting his word pour over you and pour through you? We need to be transformed by this active word. Hebrews 4.12. And lastly... He provides leaders and shepherds. The set shepherds type word we just saw. He provides people in your life. Small group leaders. Apprentice leaders. 
friends, pastors, elders, deacons. We have huge responsibilities as we take on these shepherding roles to provide the leading and the feeding and the caring. And you have a huge responsibility as you come into this body to allow God to shepherd you. That's what this whole point was about, right? Allow him to shepherd you. You know, we have a dog. It's a Cocker Spaniel. It's, uh, he's, we call him Teddy, okay? Because he basically lays there like a teddy bear and does nothing. He's a total slug, okay? But, but we're happy with that. We shopped for a slug. We, we wanted a slug. We had a dog before that that wasn't a slug, and she freaked us out with the constant hyperness. So Teddy, like the big test was, when we get him all hyper, does he just still lay there? And the answer is yes. So we have our slug, and we're happy with him. So Teddy and I are out on the front driveway, okay? And we've got this basketball hoop out there, and I'm just shooting some baskets, and uh, Teddy's just laying in the sun, just kind of laying there. There's no leash. There's no nothing. Teddy's just laying there, okay? And I'm shooting some baskets, and I grab the ball, and this guy's walking by with his dog. And it looks, you know, one of these kind of things, the... You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's ripping his shoulder off, you know? And the dog starts coming up the driveway, and it gets like 10 feet out, because that's how long his leash is. Not sure why he didn't have the one-foot leash, but... And the thing's pulling on him, and he's pulling back on it, and he's like doing this thing. And the dog's, you know, it's not that big of a dog, man. But he's fighting this thing, and he gets it back in, and he goes, that's amazing, because Teddy basically did this the whole time. And he just sat there. I mean, I didn't even see his tail wag. He didn't even stretch. He just looked back at me, looked forward, and laid there. All right? The guy's like, that's amazing. How did you do that? How much time did you spend with him? And I said, you got to be joking. If you saw our last dog, you wouldn't be praising me, man. This was bought. That's all I'm saying to you. This dog, he just cares to submit and be happy with knowing that we're happy and laying around. That's Teddy. My question to you, are you pulling at the leash all the time with God? Or are you just happy to be out in front with God? off leash and enjoying your time with him? Are you allowing him to shepherd you? Are you allowing him to spend the time in your life where you are just pleased that he's pleased? Or are you pulling at the leash with everything you've got, tugging and trying to get your way, making it a constant battle? It's time to allow God to shepherd you. He cares And his hand in your life will provide growth and fruitfulness. He will protect you and no one will be missing. It's a care that is unbelievably fulfilling. Are you ready to just relax in him and allow God to shepherd? It's a massive point to experiencing joy in your life. What does it mean to abide in him? It means not pulling at that leash. Are you pulling? It's time to stop. Right now. Are you ready to give it up? What's making you pull? It's time to let go of it. And let's watch God work in your life. Okay? So first, 
We're recognizing the authority of God. He is in charge. Second, we are allowing him to shepherd our lives. We're allowing him to shepherd us. And last, we look forward to his righteous reign. We look forward to his righteous reign. This is a powerful passage. Verse 5. Behold, the days are coming. Future. That, that's what that means. Not now, but coming. Okay. Future. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. Thank you, Jeremiah. Always making clear. This isn't for me. This is from God. Right? Declares the Lord. When I will raise up for David a righteous branch. Okay. Now, if you know your history, you should say, David? That's like hundreds of years before. Did God get it wrong? Wasn't there a different king in charge at this time? Yes. But 2 Samuel 7, 16, God was talking to David and he said, I covenant with you that your reign, your bloodline will be on the throne forever. Now, if these groups are all getting yanked apart and the tribes are splitting everywhere and Israel to the north and Judah to the south are all obliterated, then how could David's promise come true? Glad you asked. God says, I will raise up for David a righteous branch. From the bloodline of David will come a king. And from that bloodline, we will call him righteous branch. He shall reign as king. He will deal wisely and he will execute justice. Three things that we should expect of this king. He will reign as king. Kind of nice for a king to do that. He will deal wisely and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. This king that's coming, this king will be unbelievable. Now he goes on here and he says in verse 6, in his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. Get this picture, okay? He has just gotten done saying, woe to you. And now he says, salvation's coming. Woe to you, shepherds. But salvation's coming for the remnant. The ones who've been spread all over, they're coming back. And underneath his reign, it's going to be unbelievable. The righteous king executing justice. Now, as he goes into this here, he says, this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. The name that we are going after for today. The Lord is our righteousness. Okay. This is what we have to get in mind with this name. Three parts to it. All right. In the present, at the time Jeremiah was writing that. Okay. In the present. Jeremiah is penning this, and the name of the king at that time? Zedekiah. Great, whatever. It's a weird name in English. We don't know what it means. But in the Hebrew, it means righteousness of God. Isn't that lame? The guy's name was righteousness of God, and he's a totally lame king that's driving Judah down to its final demise. And God says, let me tell you, this king's name, God is our righteousness. I am is our righteousness. You want righteousness? Forget that human thing. Zedekiah can't get it right. This one will get it right. 
me personally. It's the play on words. It's your king in his ridiculous name, considering where he lives and how he lived. No, I am righteous. I will be your king. So in the moment, play on words, okay? There was some of that going on, the tongue-in-cheek. So just so you know, like Zidkenu is the name in the Hebrew, and his name started out with that Zidkane sound. So everybody would have gotten the play on words. They'd be like, oh, I get it. You're being funny. You're being funny. Okay, that's cool. Like the, God was trying to joke with them, all right? I'm serious. I've got it together. Not like that. I've got it together. That was in the moment. Now, as prophets talk in the future about the coming Messiah and his reign, some of you may have heard this analogy, and I really like the analogy. As they look forward, they see a mountain range, okay? And the high mountain is Jesus Christ coming to reign for all eternity. And so when they spoke of the Messiah, they spoke of his authority and his reign and him being in charge. They saw the high mountain and the high mountain range. You know, when you're looking at mountains and you see that, but then you say, hey, let's go walk over there. And you start walking and you're like, man, there's a lot of hills in between here. You know what I mean? So that's what's going on. The high mountain is him reigning. There's a lesser mountain in front of him serving. The Messiah Jesus coming to make a sacrifice for you and for me. And that same Christ, that same righteous branch, first coming as servant to provide. And as you look forward from where Jeremiah was, you see the rain. And some, like Isaiah, had the privilege of seeing the servanthood as well and be able to record that. And so when we talk about I am as our righteousness, in the time of Jeremiah, play on words, okay? In our time, as we stand between when Christ came, to sacrifice for you and for me. And when he's coming again to reign, we're standing in there. Does this name have any applicable nature at all? Of course. Jesus Christ, I am, is our righteousness. Romans chapter 3 and 5. His righteousness gets applied to you and to me. We don't deserve it. We don't warrant it. Through faith, he says, I will apply your righteousness wiped away my righteousness on you. And we get to clothe ourselves with the very righteousness of God Almighty. Jesus is reigning spiritually right now, if you want to say it that way. He's being able to impact your life today, right now. And as we lean on him, he counts us as righteous. Romans 5. We get that imputed to us is the big word. It gets counted to us, right? And we are considered perfect, even though not forgiven, considered. Now that's where we stand today. I am is our righteousness. So play on words at their time. Seriously, he's coming and he'll really be righteous. In our time, as we stand between the two mountain ranges, he is providing for us an opportunity of full relationship and forgiveness. But it's not done. The guarantee here is that they will return to the land and that Jesus Christ will reign. That's a guarantee. Now, let me ask you, I mean, 1947, Israel got established as a nation. Maybe that's the fulfillment of this prophecy. And some say it is. You know, I think it's being fulfilled already. We already have people coming from all over the place, coming to Israel. That's great. So let's pretend we're talking to Jeremiah for a second. We say, hey, Jeremiah. Your prophecy is being fulfilled today, man. 
Did you know that? Jeremiah's first question, really? What does the righteous branch look like? Well, I don't know if there's really a righteous branch yet. We just put them in the land. Like we gave them a nation and just said, here you go, you can live there. But how are they different? Their passion for this righteous branch. How are they following him? How are they becoming deep and religiously focused on him with everything they have? Well, like I said, I'm not even sure there is a righteous branch right now. So they really haven't accepted him exactly. Jeremiah's answer, that is not the fulfillment of my prophecy. When this prophecy is fulfilled, you will see him reigning with all authority. You will see him, the righteous branch, as perfectly in charge. And they will have been drawn there by him. Now, does that mean that God's maybe using this whole thing as a part of bringing them into the land and part of, possibly, I'm not sure what God's doing exactly there. But I will tell you this, at best, this is only partially fulfilled. Because when it's completely fulfilled, Revelation 19. In Revelation 19, when the God of all gods and the king of all kings is coming down on a white horse with fire shooting from his eyes and he is taking no prisoners and he is saying, I am here to reign. That is our king coming. Amen? Amen. That is our king coming. We are not here playing games. This is not about feeling good in the moment. This is about serving a living king who will come to reign forever. And when he establishes his throne, Revelation 19, and when the fire is shooting from his eyes, let me tell you something. We will be saying, oh, that is the righteous king. Amen? That is what it's about. We got to get pumped when we say, I am is our righteousness. There is nothing about this that is like a Disney World trip. (laughs) This is about serving a king, a king who has patiently waited to establish his throne. And in the beginning, he came as servant to provide for you and me. And it's confusing many, but let me tell you, his word is clear. He loves us so much that he provided for us. And in the end, he will come with all authority and he will reign and he will execute justice and righteousness. And he will make sure that none is missing that is our king. Amen? We got to get pumped on that. If we can get pumped on understanding and looking forward to the reign of righteousness of our God, we might just have the guts to go next door and invite somebody over for a chicken dinner and share a little bit with them about Jesus Christ. It is not about feeling comfortable in the moment. It is about the reign of our God and his authority, both in our life and in this world. We can know him as Christ crucified, and we can know him as reigning king. That is our privilege. The I am is our righteousness. I'm telling you what, this passage pumped them up. Those who were following Christ, those who were the remnant, were like, yes, it is coming. And I'm telling you, for those who say, you know, I don't really think they're actually going to be physically established in the land I got to tell you, it would have been a real downer to say, Judah will be put back in the land and Israel will be back in the land, metaphorically speaking. Like, that would have been a big downer. There is a promise of him reigning over Israel and Judah, established there and over us, as we have a relationship with him that lasts from then forward in all perfection and righteousness. I am is our righteous king. That's what it's about. He is coming to reign.
If you today, as we back up, have not established a relationship with him, if that doesn't even make sense to you, like, what do you mean by that? Come and talk to us. We would love to talk to you about what that means to have him as your righteousness today, right now. And I got news. There will be a day when we all will be on our knees celebrating, bowing in total joy as the righteous branch of David establishes his throne for all eternity. Let us celebrate. I am is our righteousness. Let's pray. Father, we are amazed with who you are. Lord, help us to recognize that you are in a charge and in authority. May we recognize your authority. May we set aside that roadkill. Lord, help us, each of us individually, to figure out what is it I need to put aside so that I can serve the living King. Father, thank you that you choose, that you choose to shepherd us through your own provision and through the provision of others around us. Help us to allow you to shepherd our lives. Thank you, Lord, for who you are in caring for us so that we can be transformed and conformed to your image. Help us to stop pulling at that leash and just sit at your side in total contentment. And Lord, help us to look forward to your coming reign when you will reign as righteous king for all eternity. May we celebrate the fact that you are not just a servant, but you are a servant king who is coming to change our lives and to establish his throne for all eternity. Your promises made good. Thank you for being our am, I am is our righteousness. May we look to you, Lord, as you provide for us.